you took in poison all day long, you know what I mean? And you just focused on that one little bit that they celebrating on social media. You gotta be careful, cause it's, everybody ain't pushing you on the program that's really gonna take you to your liberation. Most people make most of their profits off of you not being liberated. They don't keep you as a customer. My job is to make you no longer need me. Hey y'all, you are listening to The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective. Somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now before we get started, I do want to thank you all for listening to the show. Um, you know I can't start off an episode without giving thanks to you all. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out in podcast land, you choose to listen to mine, and I hella appreciate that. Also, I want to give you guys a quick um, rundown of what I got going on before I introduce this week's special feature. For those who have not ordered their Spiritual Homegirl or Spiritual Homeboy hoodie, go ahead and do so. We have 10 left as of today. So by the time the show airs, we will have 10 left for sale. After that, we're going to close the pre-orders and go ahead and start fulfilling orders and getting them out to people in a timely fashion. So get in where you fit in. They're navy blue. You can find them at spiritualhomegirl.com forward slash shop. Also, I have Yoga 101 coming up on March 24th with my girl Dre from Miniature Yogi. That'll be at Cosmic Energy Fitness Studio. We also got um, the Veggie Connection. I'm co-hosting that with my girls Latifa and Sasha. That's a plant-based turn-up event from 7 to 10. No liquor, but we will have kombucha, lots of food vendors, and music. It's going to be a good vibe. Um, tickets are $5 if you want to go and get them before they go up to 10 You can find those tickets at TheVeggieConnection.com. And I'm doing a stress management event on March 3rd. That is going to be at the Inner Space Atlanta, only 20 seats. So get in where you fit in. Um, the flyers will come very soon, or you can buy tickets at spiritualhomegirl.com. So with that being said, this week's special feature has been a year in the making. I have um, I've actually been acquainted with Dr. Supreme Understanding for some time now, and I think he's a good person. I think he's a good dude, and I think that he knows his mission, and he wants to do whatever he can to fulfill that mission of spreading knowledge to help empower people. And I think that that type of mission aligns very well with Spiritual Homegirl. So I was really glad that he was able to give me his time and be able to give me his perspective and how he sees the world. Now, for those who don't know, Dr. Supreme Understanding is an actual doctor. Um, he has the degrees to prove it. He's definitely um, a Morehouse alum as well as um, getting his degree from Argosy, um University as well. And um, he's been writing books since he was like... 20, 20 and some change, if I remember correctly. Might have been writing younger than that. I'll let him tell you his story with respect to how he got into writing and things like that. But his story is none like, unlike anything I've ever, I've ever heard, to be honest. And um, I think it's very interesting. Um, he's very intelligent, very logical. Um, it gets down to the root of things. It's not no fluff, not smoking mirrors, no type of spooky, um, you know, mysticism or things like that. It's just real raw truth. And I really can appreciate that approach. He comes off like, you know, one of your big brothers or one of your homeboys that may tell you things you don't want to hear, but you know you have to hear it, so you're actually glad he told you. So I also like his approach when it comes to that as well. But um, he also owns his own publishing company as well as being an author. He's currently on tour right now. Um, I think he's going to be in Miami on the 3rd, if I remember correctly. Um, he's doing a couple of retreats there. He's going to do a retreat in Columbia on April 13th um, and 14th. So, I mean, he's really on the move. He's just spreading the knowledge and just, you know, going across country, just telling people what he knows and he just wants to help people. So, um, but again, I will let him tell you his story um, again because he's really, <laughs> he's really interesting. 
and he's very opinionated. So there might be some things in here you might not necessarily be used to hearing. Um, so just letting you know this interview is not for younger ears or little sensitive ears. Um, you know, in case you got any children around, if you have some headphones, you might want to pop them in now or listen to the show when they are sleeping or out playing or doing homework or something. But this is definitely for grown folks. Um, so with that being said, enjoy. Hey, y'all, I'm speaking with Dr. Supreme Understanding. How you doing? Woo woo. Peace, I'm here. <laughs> You're so silly. Okay, for those who don't know, who is Dr. Supreme Understanding? I'm a man that walked the same journey most of us walking right now that just figured out some things that seem to work really well. And so what I do is I teach what, figure, what work for me. I figure out success, I pass on success. I figure out relationships, I pass on relationships. I figure out parents and I pass on parents. And I figure out knowledge of self, I pass on knowledge of self. So ultimately, I'm just a teacher. So a teacher, I get that. So how did you end up becoming a teacher? I mean, I, I know what you know about you from up north. You end up coming down here for school. So for those who may not know, how did you end up getting on this path of being a teacher? High school. My guidance counselor told me I wasn't college material. And that, man, that motivated me. That made me want to go to college more because, you know, I mean, it was a white lady. She became the principal later. She's the one that blocked me from doing a high school commitment, uh, the graduation commencement speech years later after wow. I started publishing. Um, yeah, she sent thousands of kids away from college. But, you know, I went, and that motivated me. And it motivated me to take a stake in education and use education to, like, further myself. I mean, I used, it was going to use my brain. Um, I was always skinny, you know? So, you know, I knew from an early age, raised myself ever since I jumped off the porch. I'm, 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 I'll give you a little bit of backstory. Don't nobody know what I am for the most part when they see me. They don't know what I am, don't know what to make of me, and I look different half the, all the time anyway, so I'm Bengali. I didn't even know I was, what that meant until I went back to India recently. And so my parents were immigrants. They moved into Jersey City, and um, it wasn't a typical immigrant kid story because I grew up in the hood, and I fell into the hood, and I, and I fell in love with the hood, and I basically ran away from home more than I spent time at, you know, at home. And so the streets, you know, they, they, they took me in and, and it felt like home, but I felt like I was going to die there because that's the, that's the life it come with. You know, I was depressed by the time I was young. I was an alcoholic by the time I was 14. Not the typical story, you know, like you don't hear about Indian kids and gangs, you know. You don't hear about Indian kids selling drugs and robbing people. I tell people quick, like, I'm not Aziz Ansari. I sold cocaine. <laughs> I was a coke boy. I was not as easy and sorry. No, like, and so you know, knowledge of self saved my life. And knowledge of self came to me when I was fifteen on the street corner in Jersey City, and it motivated me to want to go to school, finish school, you know, do something to help others. And the whole hood was like, man, you gotta go, you gotta come back and save the hood. So I went to Atlanta. I went to Morehouse. I went through Teach for America, became a school teacher, and just taught in the hood. And so for fourteen years, I was teaching the public school system, teaching the hood. Um, matter of fact, I'm just now coming back to the school system after retiring, and they having me like deciding who's the best educators of all of Metro Atlanta. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm about to decide who's going to get this uh, these awards in education. I'm I'm looking at principals, teachers, and I'm gonna go looking just like this. There's like a hood booger with the, you know what I mean? I, like it's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a good feeling because I put them letters behind my name. Right. So when I got that doctorate, I got a doctorate of 26 on the 5%, on the educational techniques that we use mm -hmm. to teach in the streets outside of the schools. Because mm -hmm. right now what the people need is to, to learn how to be successful. Mm 
But the teaching technology, the methodology ain't there. If you look at the traditional school system, don't nobody want that. You're right. And then if you're looking at people just collecting information, that ain't the same as knowledge. Just having a collection of information got people sick and full and about to, you know, they angry. They think they woke, but they ain't eat no food, so they cranky, you know? They don't know how to eat, so they woke. Right. You know, so they conscious, they alert, but they not living. They not working. So what happens to you when you alert all the time, but you ain't doing nothing? You catatonic, you sitting in that bed. Consciously. So conscious might mean you sleep, in a way. Like you sitting there, eyes wide open, but doing nothing. This, you know, you be halfway conscious when you comatose. It's, it's, so it's like, okay, you conscious of the problems, that's cool, but nobody teaching solutions. Everybody out here selling, they pitch on the problems. They regurgitate the information. They, they, they remix it worse than Diddy. You know, at least Diddy will give you a hit. You know what I mean? He takes something old and give you a hit. He takes an old hit, remix it, give you a new hit. You know, this is like me going to your restaurant. This is like if we was to go into Diddy's restaurant and he would take some food from a whole bunch of other restaurants and serve it to us and charge us triple right. for some food he got from a whole bunch of other places. And, and don't tell us where you got the food from. And don't tell us how to make the food for yourself next time. So we got to come on eating off, off of your expensive plate every time to really because it's entertainment. Because a lot of us still coming out that church, out that religious thing, and we need, still need a, to take that emotional ride. To feel low, to feel hurt, to feel threatened, to feel challenged, and then to feel powerful. But powerful because what? Because we got tools? Nah, we got a pep talk. Oh, yeah, we got that juice. We feeling good. We yelling. Yeah, you know, you just got sold the same thing you buy at church. At least at church, they got better songs. We ain't got no songs. Conscious community ain't got no songs. We ain't even made a song since, since the, what was it, the Black National Anthem, the last song? I, you know what I mean? At least the 5% has had songs. There ain't even no songs. Ain't no songs. Ain't no praise dancing. Ain't none of that. Church put on a better show. And here's the thing about the church. The church got community services. I don't give a fuck how messed up the church is. How much the preacher's stealing. They got to have community services. You know why? Because the people come every week and they agree that we want to do something to serve the people. So they come together on their own and they form what? Community. We call ourselves community. When do we come together? And for what? We about as much community as there's about as much a conscious community as there is a Comcast community. You feel me? If you subscribe to Comcast, is you part of a community? If you subscribe to these ideas, is you part of a community? What ideas you subscribe to? Veganism or radical Pan-Africanism? Them is not the same thing. But people that call themselves conscious and be either one or neither one. <laughs> I'm just saying. So somebody got to teach, like, what's real? Because everybody said stress, anxiety, and depression. That's what I did in my last project, Green Medicine. It was a film because, you know, I want to do somewhere. Even if you ain't reading, you got to get this, this devil out your head because we sick. And the reason why we ain't winning is because our number one enemy live in our head. You ain't never going to win if you got the, the, the enemy voices telling you. You literally got somebody telling you, sit down, shut up. You did wrong. You failed. You ain't no good. You're going to lose. Don't try. Quit. The end. <laughs> that live in your head. So I'm like, we got to deal with that little demon first. So I broke down sad. Stress, anxiety, and depression. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is living in the future. Depression is living in the past. And stress is not handling the present very well. You want to beat those? There's a formula for that. 
but it requires you getting beyond just looking at what happened, talking about celebrity gossip. You're supposed to be dealing with what's at your front door, in your closet, in your bedroom, in your garage. People are so preoccupied with what motherfuckers come outside looking up at the sky looking for chemtrails. Okay. Okay. But you drank your tap water this morning. Okay, but guess what was more poisonous? Your Instagram feed was more poisonous. Your timeline was more poisonous. Your text message was more poisonous. You took in poison all day long, you know what I mean? And you just focused on that one little bit that they celebrating on social media. You got to be careful because everybody ain't pushing you on the program that's really going to take you to your liberation. Most people make most of their profits off of you not being liberated. They don't keep you as a customer. My job is to make you no longer need me. A lot of other people... Yeah, a lot of people are in business to stay in business, which means they're going to keep you dumb while you're thinking you're smart. Now, every time you're talking to your uncle and your nana, they're calling you dumb, and you're thinking they dumb. No, you really being acting dumb. You really acting dumb. How you look telling your nana how to live and change her religion if she's 70? You crazy, and you being disrespectful in the process. Because so what, you learn knowledge, but you didn't learn respect? That's, see, that's, that's, that's where we at right now. Like, that's why I'm like, oh... I ain't trying to act like I know it all. But I can definitely smell some shit look wrong. Shit just look wrong. Shit look like a lot of wokeness and brokenness in the same package. How are you going to be both? The one's supposed to be taking you up out of the other, but it seems like a lot of people that pick the one, they be going closer and closer to the other. Like they choose to be more hurt. They choose to be more bitter. They don't get better. They get bitter. They alienate themselves. They make themselves like you can't, you know, like these people is dumb. They start saying that I don't understand this group of people. A lot of people living out here with no vision. So you get it from somebody else. If you ain't got no vision, somebody else give you one fast. And you be feeling like you got your own. You be rolling with it too, running. Hell, that's why I teach. After all that shit, I just realized I got to keep on teaching. I've been through a ton of shit. It's been all terrible. It's been a series of tragedies. I'm just a disaster-proof motherfucker. I've learned how to survive everything. I got good at it. I learned how to teach it to other people. And then I realized that the best thing I could teach people is not how to be like me, but how to become the best version of themselves. And so I realized that it wasn't for me to show them the supreme understanding, but show them that they own supreme understanding. Like, show them that they understand it could be supreme, to show you how to become the supreme version of you. That's the goal, self-actualization. There's very few people that could teach it, but hell, I walked it. I asked one, one, one question. damn question, Prem, and you done went all the way. I'm smoking a blunt, y'all. And he's... <laughs> so, like, I found who you were a long time ago and did not realize who you were through your book. I think it was, if I remember correctly, Black God. Mm. And um, was that your first book? No, that was like one of my last. Really? Okay, so explain to me your, your, um, your journey as an author. People always ask me how I started out as an author because it's not like one of those things you just pick up because you become interested because you heard about it. You got to look at what you did for a long time to understand what your passions and talents is. Like you don't want to get into something where it's because it's taking off. Like you don't want to start selling hair because other people are selling hair or doing Bitcoin because other people are doing Bitcoin. You want to do Bitcoin because you're into digital. You're into possibilities. You're into, you do risks. You take gambles. You invest. That's why you want to do Bitcoin. You, you, do, you sell hair because you're into the hair industry. You like being around salons and stylists and people that like hair. You don't do it if you hate women. It's dumb. So if you don't like sitting down and writing, if you hate even writing a long caption for Instagram, you don't want to write a book. 
You want to see whether it is you love writing. You might not love writing. You might love bowling. You might like masturbating more. Hell, you might belong on Cam Soda. I don't know. But if you write, you already been writing. So I was writing when I was a kid, but I didn't know that's what I did. Mm-hmm. When I wrote, teachers used to say it wasn't that good. Yeah, I used to get low. I'm not, English is not my native language. English is my second language. What's I your ta- first language? Bengali. Okay. I taught myself how to speak English when I was like five because I didn't want to get picked on in school for having an accent. Yeah, so it wasn't, I wasn't about to be one of the little Indian kids that got victimized and bullied. I was never with that shit. I ain't like that idea. I'd rather be, I, I ended up becoming, you know what I mean, like the bad guy rather than letting the, all the bad things keep happening to me. Right. You know, that's, that's life too. But the, the book journey was one where I approached reading and literacy because it was my way to learn the world. I learned about it. I taught myself American culture. I taught myself Americanization. I Americanized myself, basically, by reading and learning and studying and observing people. Because I came into this kind of fresh, if you think about it, I'm born into an immigrant family. They're not really giving me American values or culture like that. Right. So I had to learn it from the world. I learned it from the hood, TV, you name it. And so at some point, I had a blog. And I'm talking about this way back in the day, early days of the internet. Ever since there's been an internet, I've been on the internet with some kind of a page. Because I got knowledge at 15, so I've been wanting to teach since then. So as soon as um, GeoCities was giving out free websites. Hey, you took it back, GeoCities? GeoCities. Damn. Right. I had a free website and it had a quarter million visitors. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. It was, it was a popular site because I was teaching there. So this is back in the 90s. This went on to MySpace. You know, we went from there to Black Planet to MySpace. Yeah. To, you know, America Online was somewhere in that mix. <laughs> Facebook. You know what I mean? Facebook, I was there when it was just for college students. Yep. You know? That. And then, you know, uh, when now I'm on Instagram because Instagram is the, the next iteration of all that. Um, and it's just been that I always have been writing and people have always liked what I had to say. So at some point in the MySpace days, I said, you know, I met a brother named Hotep that had published his own book. And I said, man, I bet I could do that too. And so I t- t- took out a little credit card, advanced, a little loan. I ain't even had no money. I put together all the stuff that I had been writing and working on. I compiled writings from over 10 years. I took all my most popular blog posts, I, I weaved it all together, I made, made it make sense, and um, put together a 700-page book of life lessons called How to Hustle and Win. And I knew nobody would buy a 700-page book, so I split it into two volumes. And I only had enough money to print the first volume. So it, basically, if I didn't sell the first volume, I wouldn't even be able to print the second half of the book. The book got nine chapters. Each, each, the, the, literally, the, the, second, the first book goes up to like chapter five and a half or something. You know what I mean? And I sold every last book. But the way I did it was I learned it from drugs and music, consignment. I sent out cases of books to every partner and homie I had all over the country, all my righteous brothers and sisters that you know wanted to be out in the streets. And I, I said, please try to get these books into the hands of the people. And there was people on street corners selling books. This is 10 years ago. And um, How to Hustle and Win became a bestseller. And before long, people were trying to translate into Spanish. In like a year or two, it was in a Spanish edition that we did ourselves in Puerto Rico and Mexico. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And, and from then on, it's just been a, uh, it, it went from an idea to a career because people just wanted more and more and more. Because when you produce quality, <coughs> people are going to continue to want more from you. So, yeah, and now I'm at the point where I'm helping other people publish their own books. So, yeah, it's been, it's been healthy. I like, to tell, I like to tell people, like, publishing isn't all of what I do. It's just the way that I get the word out. 
But what I do is I teach. You put me in a room with, you put me on a train. You're on a train, I'm taught teach the whole train. Because that's the way we got to get back to it. That's the way I was raised. I mean, these are old 5% of values. Yeah. <coughs> I remember being at a lecture where I was booked to speak. But outside the lecture, there was like 40, 50 people standing in line waiting, waiting because they had overbooked the lecture. I stood on the street corner, taught everybody waiting in line. Taught them you don't need to be doing this. Y'all all standing in line, none of y'all talking to each other. What is this? Is this a conscious community? <laughs> Here go the conscious community. Everybody standing in line, waiting to show their ticket, waiting to take their selfie, waiting to take their picture. Nobody talking to nobody else. Nobody networking. Nobody getting to know who farming, who gardening, who hiring. You know? Yeah. Could at least find out who doing makeup, something, you know? Who doing hair? Yeah. We talk about cooperative economics, but really, the way we the way we live it out, it'd be weird. It don't be based on best practices. It'd be based on what somebody said to somebody else because they was trying to win. So we really, we still getting to that. Out of, like we got done listening to Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and all them, but not really. We just got done listening to them, the old guard. It's new hustlers that came talking that same old shit. We still, we, st we still kind of like, you know? Yeah. Like the ones that was leading them. You know some of these movements that was popping up? Like the ones that was leading the movements, there's enough paperwork to say who they was and who they was working for. But, hey, at some point somebody going to be like, all right, no more of this. We're going to do something else. But there's something else. What does it look like? I got a word for it. It's called solutionary. You know, it's a revolution every day. Every day the earth spins is a revolution. But to be a solutionary means that every day you spend in coming up with a solution for the problems you encounter. You have a solution-based mindset. You don't live based on, oh, here's what's wrong. You know what's wrong. You study what's wrong, and you immediately move on to how to get it right. If you can't live like that, then you're going to be living to die. It's a suicidal mindset to think about what's wrong and to learn about all the problems and to learn about chemtrails and be scared to open your mouth when you walk outside. You know? Because if you learn, then you say, okay, all right, this is what I got to do. This is, what I gotta, this is how I got to live. We know we're in a th we, we targets. We, we schedule for extension. We schedule to be destroyed. We, this definitely on the agenda. It's not a mistake. And all the people that live like they don't realize this, them is most confused because every tragedy they see or every bad piece of news they see, they see an H&M shirt and they get crazy because they forgot who these people is. And they was expecting H&M to do something better about them. These are the same people that make cakes out of black people and eat them. You know they are in Sweden. That's what they do up there. They up there. That's where they they black people is circus acts up there. Black people is exhibits. That's where the human zoos went to up there. So they yeah, but but people acting like they surprised. It ain't H and M. It's Swedish culture. It ain't just this one company. Cause what? It ain't Gucci. It ain't Versace. What so it was Hilfiger, but it wasn't Polo. Like you mean to tell me that Tommy Hilfiger was more racist than Ralph Lauren? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Tommy Hilfiger was kicking it in the hood too many times. He did too many video shoots. He gave close to too many rappers. He outfitted Wu Tag. Ralph Lauren ain't never meet with old dirty bastard. I'm sure of it. I'm just saying. I'm trying to think about Kanye line. Wasn't it Kanye that was like, Ralph Lauren was boring before I wore him? I really feel like he said that. Probably, man. I'm trying to remember if he's ever collaborated, to be honest. He was begging. Remember, that was Kanye's whole thing.
Kanye didn't want black power. Kanye wanted white power. Kanye wanted to be a black person with power in the white world. He wanted to be anointed and appointed to be in one of their leadership positions, whether it was in fashion or some other form of culture. And he was mad because they wouldn't give him the ball. That's what he's mad about. Nobody want to be, nobody want to fund my dream. Nobody want to give me this chance to be in the upper leagues and the upper echelon. It wasn't, it wasn't nobody's allowing me to do this thing that's going to be beneficial to the people and to the poor black masses. It was never none of that discussion. It was, I can't get in to this upper echelon and I got enough money to be able to buy my way in. So I'm going to raise a stink and hopefully, like Monique doing, Netflix lowballed me. Let me raise a stink so that what? What's the end game? Your Netflix ain't about to... Now what they gonna do, cave? That don't even look good for a company to do. Now we just taking you off the table. Now if they give her like $2 million, though, you know what? That come with something. You heard about Monique. She want people to boycott Netflix. But it's because they lowballed on something. They gave Amy Schumer more. They gave somebody else more. Look... If she was going to get, yo, they could have said, she could have been like, yo, I'm big, I'm black, I'm a woman, they hated on me for this many reasons. So therefore, I'm doing my own special. You know what I mean? And if you believe in me, then help me get, take this thing off the ground and let's shut, you know what I mean? I'm going to make it, I'm going to put it on such and such. I'm going to do it this way so that you can get it for nearly free or something. This, this is the way we could move if we wasn't trying to win in their system. You know? Dave Chappelle just sold two more specials to Netflix, right? Last special, he said he had sex with a transsexual. I saw that. Is it te- is transgender? Is it not though? It's it's a motherfucker with a fluid identity. It's a trans person. Somebody that's, that they identity is trans just mean across. That just means you could be use something other than what you biologically is. So. In theory, if you want to stretch this motherfucking definition all the way, a motherfucking man could imagine himself to be a woman who imagines himself to be a man and not do a motherfucking thing and say he's trans. That's how much you can do when you start intellectualizing shit. But biologically, years which years, it's just the problem is motherfuckers think that because the bedroom been policed for so long that they think that you can really regulate what people do in and out of their homes. It's not what's happening. People been doing this stuff forever. What's happening right now is it's being normalized and being promoted to allow the next wave of things to be more acceptable. Because once you start saying that nothing is what it is and identity is fluid and flexible, then other variables identity then become flexible. And if something as pertinent as gender is now flexible, then who's to say that age is not flexible? What does age of consent mean in a world where there's no gender? And eventually, you think 30 years down the line, you start picturing this American apocalypse, they're not going to even worry about the line between the living and dead. There's already a classification for it. It's called necrophilia. And there's funeral homes full of it. It happened every day in every state. But what's going to happen is one day it's going to be on TV. It's going to be in a few videos. It's going to be in a few movies, just like they do with the robots. And all of it is about normalizing. Two things happen as a result. One is they culture get to satisfy all their nihilistic, weird, self-hating, self-mutilating tendencies to do whatever they got to do amongst themselves to work out their own issues. And in the communities that are affected, that are oppressed communities, your population rate is affected. 
You ain't making no more babies. Your birth rates is going down. Your birth, black and brown birth rates is good right now. And that's the problem. They still good. How they still good? So you got to do a lot more. So you got to raise kids on the idea that gender is meaningless. You know what I mean? You got to raise kids on a lot of stuff. Because when you got kids that's growing up in the hood and they don't even know that they're a human being, then you start telling them that nothing matters. Oh, yeah, nothing matters. What it take away from somebody is the ability to decide who they could be. Because it's nothing to be. See, it's not like knowing you a Virgo traps you into behaving a certain way. Just give you an idea what to expect along the way. It's a subtle thing. Give you a subtle idea what the stars blessed you with, what you got to deal with, what you're going to have to go through, and hell, you, you know, what you bring to the table. Your gender, the same thing, man. Determine what kind of hormones you bring to the table. And the crazy thing is everybody really is, they say there's a spectrum. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's levels to it because you could have hella extra estrogen. You know what I mean? You could have extra whatever. You could have some chromosomes off. But ultimately, the reason that we come together for companionship is for a goal. Some people are just with their best friends and they call it a relationship. Some people is building family and they're thinking about the next generation. You know, what I teach is do what the fuck you want. Just when we talk about nature, just make sure you know what the fuck you're talking about. Because a lot of people out here thinking they're living natural. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not natural. That, I'm clowning from earlier. But them vegan cookies... Look, that's vegan, but not natural. Natural would be you getting that motherfucking papaya off that tree. You know what I mean? Natural would be, I don't know, chew on something that tastes like a cookie, a marshmallow root or something like that. I don't know. Need some cashews and some shit. But the, but, but the time you start making it into something else and the time you start packaging, the time you put it in Whole Foods and that motherfucker costs $9, I'm having a whole different experience now. Now I'm doing shit for status. Now I'm taking pictures of it. And the reality is, I mean, I don't want to get too deep, but I guess your show is deep enough for it. But a lot of this shit just be surface level, man. We be faking this shit for the real. Because how the fuck is we so woke, but we so fucking bitter? We still fucking arguing, beefing. You know what I mean? Like, how the fuck would I look if I went through what I went through my relationship just recently, right? And you'd have seen me really acting out. If you'd have seen me bad-mouthing her. If you'd have seen me talking shit. You know what I mean? I would have looked at you funny. Right. Right. Right, but what you see from me when I'm with somebody or when I'm not with somebody is the same, what you would hope to see, right. you know? And that's the way we got to get to. But, you know, in social media, man, you know, now we in the age where people can present themselves whatever they want. That's why you're talking about old girls seeing you in the spot. It, it, but in social media, it's a whole different interaction. But right. in real life, everybody quiet as a church mouse. Right. This is going on to the point now where people is threatening. It's dudes threatening to kill each other on social media and having to see each other in real life and can't fight. <laughs> so man, like all that to say, man, it's a, it's it's a beautiful time for people to get knowledge itself. Right. Like that's just signs of an epidemic, man. Like everything that I just listed, like that's signs of an epidemic. Knowledge itself is that they're missing the ingredient. I don't teach nobody this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. Like really, if you think about the words knowledge itself, you're gonna find the way. Cause it's only really one way. It's a bunch of routes and roads leading to that way, but it's one way. The way leads you to the one. And if it ain't going that way, it's going some other way. You can go your own way. You can go backwards if you want to. It's a multi-directional universe. You can go in any direction you want. You can, you can go within. But the further and further you go, if you keep on motherfucking going, you're going to end up back at the one. 
So that's the goal. And that's what we teach in, in books like the books that I put out, like Knowledge of Self and The Science of Self. It's, it's about understanding how this world actually works so that you can be successful in it. So what is your thoughts on that whole tap and whole tap and culture? The following thoughts belong only to supreme understanding. And I'm not respond and nobody else responsible for what I'm about to say here. I don't fuck with hoteps either. And this is why. Because who says hotep? We're not in fucking Egypt. We're in fucking America. And the main motherfuckers you need to say peace to is the dumb, deaf, and blind and the people walking around in darkness out here in this world that don't know what the fuck you saying when you say hotep. And you say hotep to the wrong motherfucking woman, she's gonna think you called her out her name. Just say peace. We the gods used to always be looking like, damn, why they just can't say peace? Just say peace. I mean, shalom cool, salam cool, hotep even cool. It's cool, but it's not widely understood. Peace is a universal greeting because it's understood. So if your goal is to be understood, then you say something to be understood. If your goal is to be cool and deep and fucking bogged out and shit and show off, then you say some wild shit, fucking bongabong, you know what I mean? And you hope a motherfucker look at you with big eyes and be like, well, master teacher, tell me about that. And that ain't what's going to happen. That's all. That's all. And so what happened with the people that we call hoteps, they called that because they bougie, they stuck up, they snotty, they snobby. And a lot of times it's a middle class motherfucker that learned about some woke shit from off the internet and was a jerk in the first place and just decided that they was going to be a jerk with some knowledge now. So they was before they was condescending about some other shit. Now they condescending about some new shit. And a motherfucker might not have been shit before this shit. So now they got some shit to feel like they some shit. So now they making everybody else feel like shit. It's some shit. The best understanding you could have is that you ain't shit. You know what I mean? Because then if everybody realizes you ain't shit, I ain't shit, then we all humble. That's the best solution you can have. Rich, poor, humble. You know what I mean? Because then you could teach with humility. You could teach out of need. Oh, I see you struggling right there. You want some help? Do you want some help? Is more important than let me tell you something, son. Because that's what you do when you're on a power trip. And a lot of people, they was broken down for so long that now they're on a power trip because now they feel like I'm empowered but empowered by what? False sense of power. The motherfucking illusion of power. You sitting up on a motherfucking high horse speaking a language you don't know. You looking crazy. Especially you start changing your dress, start changing a bunch of other shit just to stand out. You doing shit for attention still and don't realize it. So you still falling victim to this whole American fucking ideology without knowing it because you still trying to stand out and be the man, be the woman. But really you could be with the men, be with the women. You know what I mean? A servant to the people, they'll love you more for that. They don't admire people that do that talking and try to be big and try to be bold and try to show off and shine. They'll look at you and like you, but the only people that admire you is people that want to be like you. People that want to be a showboat too. So you'll, be, you'll have a clique of fuck-ups. You'll have a goddamn community of fuckery. A bunch of people that's egotistical and narcissistic and vain and exclusionary and don't bring in the poor, and don't bring in the illiterate, and don't bring in the sick, and don't bring in the old, and don't do nothing for the babies. And they want to be amongst themselves, and they want to take pictures for ego. You know what I mean? Ego. Ego is what make a person say something that nobody can understand, and then want to look down on them when they don't understand. That's all that is. So when they talk about them kind of people, and they label them as such, they're not talking about me. I ain't never been called a hotep in my life. And I don't have knowledge since 95. But that name came about because a lot of people got it all at once off the internet and was arrogant. And y'all offended the people. 
Y'all offended the regular people. The regular people don't like that. The regular people got dreads, and you said, how dare you grow these dreads, rather than talking to them about the history of dreads because you had dreads too. The regular people started calling each other God. You said, how dare you call yourself a slump God or the ski mask God or the ugly God and the rich God. Nah, you're not God. No, the man want to be a God. He just don't know how to be a God. He any kind of God he could be. He heard Michael Jordan was the God of basketball and figured he could be a God too because he's a black man. Show him the way. If you got the way, show him the way. If you don't got the way, you're not in a position to look down on him. You looking for the way too. Maybe you should ask him. <laughs> Maybe he could show you there. At least he got the confidence to call himself some kind of God. But we look down on anything, you know, so if the people, the people right now, all through the Southeast, Ifa is spreading. It's an African tradition, man. It's beautiful. And yeah, it's a lot of young people. A lot of the bloods is all, you know what I mean, in it. Strippers was all in it. You could go to any strip club in Atlanta and you see girls with waist beads. Maybe, and a bunch of girls with naturals and maybe one or two with a head wrap on. And the people look come in there and be like, this is terrible. How dare you, man? She's raising a child on this. She don't raise her child on strip club value. She raises her child on what you see, which is that she's more than a dancer. Ain't everybody more than what they do? But we be the quickest to be like, this ain't the right kind of people. That ain't the right kind of people. The people that ain't boycotting it. Let me tell you. Everybody mad because nobody else participated in their imaginary boycott. Let me tell you who participated in these boycotts, people that was already boycotting. You know how long women been boycotting the NFL? Motherfucker, you know how long women been boycotting Sunday football and saying, fuck this shit, turn this shit off, this shit bullshit? You think that shit about to happen now? No, this shit been going on. And this shit is an endless thing to try to get motherfuckers to buy into what you want to buy into, how you want them to buy into it. When the Montgomery bus boycott happened, it ain't just they stopped riding the buses. Motherfuckers was picking them up. There was cars coming, jitneys and shit. There was, this is where the black taxi service even came from. And ambulances. Because it wasn't a service that was done so the service was created. If you don't provide an alternative that's equal or better, you have no right to complain when the people don't go. So, especially sitting back, people always be like, why don't we, 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 we? We imply that it's you and me. So why don't we get better? You really mean to say, why don't you get better? You don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting better. Why don't we support our own? Why don't you? Now, a person really, if they was honorable and honest, they say, I want to look for opportunity to support my own. Any recommendations? But instead, what they do is they come from that high post, trying to discipline. They ain't got no troops. They discipline their imaginary troops. Because once you got followers on social media, you think you got troops. Somebody start bullying you, you start posting it, yeah, go get them. I've seen it, and I, I never Whole shit. that. It's horrible. It's whole shit. That's the type of shit you do when you think the internet is a real thing. That's the type of shit where you about to get beat up and you hold up your camera and be like, look, who about to beat me up, y'all? And you think that might help you. The internet became too real for some people. That's why they're ready for robot dolls, you know? <laughs> they rather fuck Siri. <laughs> some of them got relationships with Siri already. Siri, am I a good man? <laughs> so ultimately... What do you want to do? I understand you're going on tour, so I mean that's what you got going on in the immediate future. So tell us about that. So I sat back for a few years because my wife and business partner, who ran the company with me, 
uh, passed in 2014. And I just had to learn a whole new set of skills than I had, had ever had to learn before. You know, number one of which is being a single father. And uh, man, them three years was, was like a whole new ropes course. It, it challenged me to grow and learn and, and, and develop a new, new level of understanding when it came to everything. Life, business, relationships, parenting, you name it. My journey with knowledge itself got even deeper. And along that time, I ain't still ain't put out no new books. I put out that film project, Green Medicine. I wouldn't do events. I didn't do too much of anything. Dealt with my kids. You know, that came first. In the process, though, I made sure I stayed on social media, let people know I was alive. I don't want people saying I, I died, you know what I mean? So I stayed visible. But now I realize that the people really are in need of something that works, something transformative, something that's better than what they're getting. And I'm not waiting on nobody else to deliver it. I'm not about to cast down nobody else that's, that's claiming to do it. I'm not about to either nobody that's out here lying to the people. I'm just about to give them the clean glass of water. And I figure I give enough people the clean glass of water, they'll tell the other people about that clean glass. I'm just trying to get people to the, to the, to the teachings. The teachings is in these books. They ain't that film. They ain't any video I make. They ain't any project I make. I'm going to start doing podcasts and stuff like what we're doing right now. I want to start doing more audio material. It's just the phone. I'm going to start doing more audio material, but I know I got to be in people's face. I know that's important to a lot of people. So I just started my own tour, found a few cheap flights, figured a few places I could drive to, started telling people I was coming, and they started buying tickets immediately. And before long, I started planning out dates throughout the whole country. And um, yeah, so we're going to be in Atlanta on February 9th doing a dinner and a game night for singles and couples, showing people what love is about. On the 11th, we're going to be in New Orleans around Mardi Gras time. Um, on In March 3rd, we're going to Miami for a retreat, a knowledge of self retreat for two days in Miami. It's all at my website, supremeunderstanding.com. And then in April, we're going to Medellin, Colombia for a three-day retreat. And that's just the start of it. And, and, I, and I want to do that because I got people in all these places. There's Colombians that are reading my books. And... Yeah, man, it's like, and then I'm going to bring the people from here to meet with the community out there. That's an Afro-Colombian, like, hip-hop, political resistance community, all that, you know? Yeah. And the food going to be plant-based, you know, vegan, it's for, the, for the people that's looking for that label. We're going to keep it vegan, you know, <laughs> with eggs. Not just, not just <laughs> vegan with extra egg. The, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I wasn't in a position to do and I didn't even want to do. But the more I look at how much people like really need that authentic engagement, I'm like, man, I could do this. And and it'll probably give me the last little bit of inspiration to start putting these last little book that these last few books out. I got a, quite a few books people have been waiting for. Um on just about everything. The one of the ones I'm really excited about is called A Sucker Born Every Minute. Cause we've been talking about this, like the way people don't think critically and so they get scammed. I think that is necessary. I understand, you know, it's about intuition and vibes at the same time, but we do have other bodies that can be maximized. And I think we kind of forget that we need to approach things logically at times as well. But I feel like it's all connected, but I'm still learning, like I said, about, I don't know, my views on certain things will probably end up changing shit maybe tomorrow, six months from now, a year from now. You know how that goes when you're growing and evolving and things like that. But I just never wanted to lose sight of knowing how to think critically period regardless of what journey you're going through spiritually even though i think the journey itself is a spiritual journey because we're you know essentially spirits but 
But yeah, I think that's interesting. But for those who are trying to get into knowledge of self or just or just basically like, yo, I need to get my shit together. What book do I start with? Where would you point them? Like, what book would you recommend? The first book that anybody should get if they're trying to get a they bearings in life. If you want to know who you are, what you come from, and where you're going, real plain English is a book called How to Hustle and Win. That's my first book. That's the book that was that, that started out as two books. And um, it's way more than you would think based on that title. It's a guide for personal development. It's a guide for success. It's a guide to hip-hop culture, the streets. It's, it's a guide to life. But the life lessons in it is so much deeper than any of the, the, the stories is just the, key, the, the way for you to get to the lesson. The, the stories you go through in life is like that. I took stories from my own life and lives, lives of famous people that I know and know of, and I just made, pulled the lessons out so that you could see it for yourself. And from there, it'll walk you through those two volumes of How to Hustle and Win 1 and 2 to this third part of the journey, which is a book called Knowledge Itself. And Knowledge Itself is a collection of about 50 authors writing on Knowledge Itself from all perspectives, from all walks of life, male, female, from all over the world, um, and really drawn from that 5% tradition to break down what life is as we teach and learn it. And that'll be the start. That'll be, that'll be a good start. From there, you can go anywhere. We put out 26 books, so covered everything from health to breathing. With you obviously being, you know, a man. Am I? Yes. I mean, like, sometimes it's hard for people to identify with folks who don't look like them, whether it's folks that's black, whether it's folks that's brown, whether it's women, men, what have you. So are your books for everybody or is it particularly for men that are in these underserved uh, communities or in these type of situations where they need to level up? Man, it started out like that. I wrote How to Hustle and Win for the young people I was serving in the hood. In, 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 in like the West End of Atlanta, I had a nonprofit. We was out there really doing youth outreach in the streets. The lessons I would teach is the lessons I put in the book. And it was for them. It was for me. It was like for a me when I was 16, the book I wish I'd have had like growing up to guide my life. And that's what I get back from people. People like, yo, I got that book at 16. I'm talking about people pulling up in Maseratis like, yo, I got that book at 16. I somebody just pull up on me in the street, the A3C Festival, the big body bands. Yeah, I got that book when I was 16. I'm 21 now. You know? Yeah. Um, people that got in prison ain't been back since, you know? Um, <sighs> man, you got me reminiscing all these stories and all these other reasons why I do it. Um, what the hell was the question? Was it for women as well? It's for everybody now. That's what I realized. It, it, I, it got to everybody. When people that was like, yo, my uncle speaks Spanish, he need this book. Or, yo, I'm a 48-year-old mother. of My son is 20-something. He in there. He got locked up. I've been reading the book, too. It book changed my life. Can you do a book on health? By the time we was doing the Hood Health Handbook, the books was for everybody. It was for old, young, and it was just for anybody that wanted it in plain English, that knew that they had been lied to, that wanted the truth about what underserved, really original people, black and brown, are going through and what the solutions are that's needed when you don't have money. Because assuming you can just buy your way into the solution or vote your way into the solution is wrong. You know, it takes actually individual work. And when you don't have resources, the nature of that individual work is very mysterious because it's not taught to you in school. Right. We're taught a lot of useless things in school. And I say that as a school teacher. You know, we taught useless things because it's the way that they perpetuate inequality. They perpetuate the status quo. That's the function of the school because the school is a functionary of the state. Just like the police force is a functionary of the state. You know, 
if you understand the state, then you understand what you're going through. And you should also understand how you're supposed to move within the state. You know, you're not supposed to be doing bubble shit and fucking yourself up. You know what I mean? Bubble if you know shit. it, you know what I mean? If you know, yeah. There's a lot of bubble shit out here, man. That's what I'm teaching for. Because the how to hustle and win is like a guy that's not doing bubble shit. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you, like, yo, if you if you going to be this, if you're going to do that, well, don't do it this way. No, don't. If you're going to be, if you're going to be this type of person, if you're going to be living on this side of the law, well, don't give yourself to the law. At least be wise. Don't advertise. People right now, everybody putting all their business on, on, on the internet. And they wondering why, like, they're getting locked up. Like, it's very easy. It's very easy. You're posting your location too often. Guns, drugs, I see a lot of that. What advice would you give to people that are stuck or that might be scared, that they may be passionate about something, but they just don't know how to take that first step and just do? Get that book. That, that book, honestly, more Which than one? How to Hustle and Win. How to hustle and win. More than any pep talk, more than any proverb, more than any speech, walking through that book will give you that motivation to do what it is you had in mind. But sometimes you ain't going to know until you go through. That's how the book got so much in it. It's literally like 120 different things covered in each book. Everything from Muhammad Ali to Future to the Viet Cong. You know, like that diverse. Yeah. Um, and it's just to give you different eyes, like to expand your horizons. Sometimes you haven't considered what your possibilities are. So I feel like a book is really a gateway to that. It ain't just one silent meditation that's going to do it for you. Because you might have it all in your head, you just don't have it organized. Opening it up sometimes takes reading. Because in that, in that space, we share a thought. And your mind is with my mind, and wherever I'm going is where you're going. Just for that moment. And, and you know, after you put the book down, you might still be going that way. Right. One topic that I think has been very touchy, and I, I just, it just hit me just now. Is and it's a, it's a social media thing more than anything else. It's about the whole who has the ability to, I guess, claim black. And I think we got other shit to worry about than that, low key. But I was talking to one of my homegirls, and she's um she's Afro Latina, and she was talking about. And this is something new to me that I didn't even know. I guess you know you're in your own shit. You don't really, you know, you're not really living someone else's experience. But she was telling me how. She was ostracized because she wasn't like Spanish enough or Latin enough, excuse me, Latin enough for one side, but she also was teased for claiming Afro-Latina. You ain't black, you ain't black. So it's like, you know, like what are your thoughts on that, especially with, you know, you being a person that's grown up in the hood and with you being Bengali as well. But I mean, like what, what is that about? You know what I mean? Like why, why do you think there's such an issue? Well, let me just say for the record, black folks the most accepting folks on the planet. You could be a dirty white boy. Come to the cookout, depending on what you said. If you're willing to fight, if you're willing to fight with some, you know what I mean? If you're willing to fight and you're willing to thug it out and you're willing to, and you, you know, especially if you, you know, you're living in the projects too or whatever, like, you're not going to be a victim of racial violence like that, you know? Like, you're not going to get picked on because of your race alone, because if you stand your ground. Like, yeah, I got picked on when I was new to the block, but after I had squabbled a little bit, you know what I mean, this proved myself a little bit, it, it was, I was loved, I was accepted. And it was, it was because it's like it's a camaraderie and we all come from the same thing, we all going through the same thing. And so... While there's love and while there's acceptance, there's also a need for identity. So as black folks develop a good sense of identity, you have a need to be able to say, even to an Afro-Latina person, your experience is unique. 
the black American experience is very unique. It's not the same as a black African American experience where you're African that came to America as an immigrant, you know, or the experience of possibly even a Haitian uh, uh, person. This is a different experience, you know. Um, people from the Caribbean islands have different experiences, just depending on what islands you went to. So they have their identities for a reason. Now, black people in America is a very unique people. They've been stripped of their fucking identity. It's the only people that's been actually ported away from home, from all their homes, from a variety of homes. So f- some, some people got ancestors going so far as Indonesia. I'm talking about black folks. Because they pull people, they pull black people from Indonesia, India, East Africa, Madagascar, South Africa, West Africa, especially West and Central Africa, especially, but other places too. And then with the Indians, with the Indians, there was 100 million Indians here at, at, at one point, with all the Indians. You got that many different ancestors to modern-day black folks. And modern-day black folks don't have a a solid sense of heritage to know what the origin point is. Like, who is the origin, you know? What is is our tradition? What is our family value system? How do we, you know, what is our our original language, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a unique type of situation that don't exist a lot of places in the world. There There aren't displaced people like that in the world like that. You know, even the Indians, they got moved, but they know their languages and they know their stories, you know? So there's a right to frustration. That's why I'm an anomaly. Ain't no other Indians like me. I don't care what they got to say about Indians and Arabs because they're not talking about me. That's like if you're a white person. If you're really a righteous white person, you don't care when they say the white man is a devil because you know that the white man is a devil. You're not fighting that fact. What you're trying to prove is that even the devil can do right. You know what white folks do all over the world. You're not fighting how white folks behave. You can see the facts. I see how Arab store owners treat their customers. I bang on them the same way. I bang on them harder than the black customers. You know what I mean? A lot of black customers be used to it. When I see them doing wrong, I'm always saying something. I mean, like, yo, last time, selling old candy. Why you selling this old candy? Old candy was five cents, but it was old. Why you selling, man? Somebody going to get sick, man. Get this out of here, man. I told them they need to go back to their temple. And seek, seek uh, repentance with their God. The candy was gone that same afternoon. But yeah, you know, you're supposed to, of course. Where the white people start coming in, you know, and start saying that they black too. No, that, that's the thing. That's that identity fluidity, you know. No, I'm not black because anybody. There's a lot of people like that. She just won. There's others. You got lots of folks that do that. You got, you got, look, white folks been passing too, like they do that too, like they get in, they, they got, man, let me tell you. Anyway, um, the cultural appropriation is, is just, is just another variant of it. It's like where you take on the mannerisms, the language, you know, like white people get to thug it out, call each other, you know what I mean, whatever they want to call each other, and it's, it's something you can't even police no more. You literally can't even regulate how, because everybody in the world watch black folks. You know what I mean? Like, they're doing hip-hop dance in India. The, the, what's missing is the respect for the black man and the black woman. Everybody take, but don't nobody respect. You know what I mean? Like, you in the store making all your money off these people, but you don't have respect. I went in the store. This dude came in the store. The, the, the grill of the store, the gate, fell on his head. The store owner rushed towards the scene. I'm thinking he's going to go check on the dude. He go to go check on the gate, fixing the gate. 
The dude talking about he hurt his hand. I said, dude, you better go get that check. You better lay down on the ground right now and call the police. He said, nah, nah, I'm going to do it later. This, you know, but his thing, it was fear. He, he didn't feel like he had the power. He literally got hit in the head by something that the man insurance is supposed to cover. Right. He in the right. He in the right. He's supposed to really show what kind of pain he in, but now he want to thug it out and take it because he's so used to being victimized. He's so used to being oppressed that he don't even think that he went through nothing just now. He literally just going to walk it off. We got to walk off everything. You know, so it, it, when you've been through oppression... You, 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 you feel that outrage at anybody that want to buy it. That's why I'm like, man, I'm a hood book. Like, you know, like you got you to gotta understand a little bit of what I come from before you think that I just bought into this. this I'm, I've been like this forever. You, know, nobody, you can't find no data of me being something different, you know? So for anybody else to jump in, I'll be like, yeah, I hope y'all do check their cards. Yeah, check their past. Check their references. Indeed. You're supposed to. And black people are supposed to, you know? It's, it's people out here right now claiming that they legitimate leaders and nobody even checking their cards. Like, okay, well, what have you done? Show me your accounting. Show me your records. Show me your references. So until we, until, you know, so it's like I can't say, oh, yeah, don't have no scrutiny because what? I don't want nobody asking me questions. Nah, but my shit public record, man. But yeah, what the hell do I, I don't know what my, my I'm, I don't look like nothing that nobody ever seen before. So I got to be used to that. You're going to be misunderstood. Anytime you something different, you're going to be misunderstood. And come with everybody. It ain't just me. So I, I'm cool with it. I'm a cool Bengali motherfucker. I, 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 shit, they named the tiger after me. <laughs> All right, y'all. So I wonder if he's going to bring up that. Yeah, we, we are fierce people, man. We're not, we not like the regular Indians. So what was that like going back to... Going back to India. I know now. I know you are basically gonna compile this into like a big, Man. you know, anthology of stuff. But just like a brief overview, if you're able to, in terms of how that trip was like. So India changed my life. I went to Ghana in the summer of 2005. I was in real estate, and all of my properties was. Going through something, I was, it was like, a, no, no, no. I was in real estate in America before this happened, right? So, leading up to me going to Ghana, I had been in real estate and everything was going bad. I nearly went bankrupt, right? It's like a million dollars in debt. I was about to leave the country. I just get, get about to give up. I ain't had no babies. I was about to give up. I was a school teacher. You know, I had the nonprofit. I was about to just say, yo, forget America, fuck America. I went to Ghana and was like looking at places to live. It was beautiful. Like the way people live, like they values, like, yo, I dropped my wallet and somebody picked it up and gave it to me. Yo, like just like, I got, I got my head, I went to a Liberian refugee camp. Yo, you, you hear the words Liberian refugee camp and what you think? You think it's gonna be fucked up, tents and shit. These motherfuckers had built the fuck out of this camp. Every building was built, cinder blocks and all. I'm talking about they had a club, a bank. I got my hair cut there. You know, for like 10 cents. You know, and like, stuff like that, like it require you to be out of your comfort zone, man, because I'm really getting my head cut with a razor blade in West Africa. You feel me? For 10 cents. In a trailer. And I'm over here thinking like, oh, I done heard these stories, you know? Yeah. That's to keep people from going anyplace. But I promise you, like the values, like, yo, you could feel the heart of the people. And I just thought like, yo, man, like for anybody, like, I was teaching out there. I was teaching knowledge stuff out there. Like, as soon as I had somebody that was listening, like, you know, and that was young and that wanted to know about it. 
And I just thought, like, man, for anybody that's, like, of West African ancestry to come here, man, it's got to, like, it got to feel like something, like, amazing because it feel amazing for me. And I'm just here just feeling the vibe, you know what I mean? But when I dig my feet into the soil, I feel home, but I don't feel, like, home, home. Like, I ain't noticed at the time. This is what I realized when I went back to my people home because I'm not really connected to my people home like that. I'm not really connected to my people like I was. You know what I mean? Like, like, I, like, like I feel more connected now, rather. I wasn't connected for a long time. So one thing Ghana did for me was to change my value system because I seen how people without money, you know, people living in villages was happier than people with money. So when I came back, like, I just came back, like, not so worried about money because I was trying to be a millionaire by the time I was 25. That shit broke me. I can see you having that kind of goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back then I was, you know, I just moved like that. And I thought I, and I got close too. But it broke me and it led me to so much pain that that's what led me to go into Ghana. And then I finally, in Ghana, realized I needed to come back and do some work here. And it was the next year that I started writing books. So, you know, it all worked out like that. So when I went to India, man, I dug my feet in that soil. I sat in that Ganges River, things like that. And I just, you know, like... I could feel where my ancestors had died. They where they had farmed the land, where they had just lived regular lives. You know, like like where it was home, where it was just normal. Where they had their power at. Like you could like where, you know, our ancestors, wherever they was for ten thousand, hundred thousand years, in them places you have to imagine that many of them got they they developed to the level of godlike power. And their power is still present in them areas. You know, and you could feel it. And um, that's really the science of your ancestors and heritage and, and like, you know, your, your genealogical knowledge itself. And so, like, you know, when I did it, I was like, yo, go home, go home, go home. And I got so many people hitting me back, like, upset, like, really upset. Like, yo, I can't go home. I don't even know where home is. I, I've seen that. Yeah. Seen they were like, I don't know where I come I don't, from. I don't know where I come from. And I realized that, you know what, they need my books. Because my books will help you figure out where you come from. After you get through How to Hustle and Win, you'll at least know your people come from West Africa, most likely. You know what I mean? You'll at least know some other place they could come from. Because some people don't even know that much. Right? They don't even got that awareness. They just know Africa. They, there's, there's people right now that's still knowing, not knowing Africa got countries and it's a continent. You, gotta, you, gotta, you know what I mean? That's not a, that's not a, a weird thing. That's a, you got to think about literacy. You got a lot of people that didn't really make it past fourth, fifth grade type levels of information. And geography, that's, that's middle school for a lot of people. For a lot of people, they didn't get that. A lot of people can't read out here. That's real. That's why I, all my books are written at fourth grade level. Even, even like the science books. The science books, like it's over here talking about the making of the universe, but I make it to where it might be about sixth grade level. Science itself might be about con- content, though, might be about college level. Because the science itself is one of the heaviest books because actually go into the, the construction of the universe and how, we, these, how these powers actually exist within us. Yeah. And, um, man, I went home and I, I, like, I, I felt like, like all that stuff was real. Like it became real. When the World Was Black was the book we put out after the science itself. And it talks about history, the global black history of the world, how the people of East Africa went into India and became its first people. And those became my ancestors, you know. Mm-hmm. And going to India and going into a place like Orisha, where you see that bag right there, that little handbag, that's from Orisha. Orisha, yeah. Orisha is like, yeah. And if you look at it, it looks like some West African tribal graft. It does. Oh wow, that's beautiful. 
So talking to them, they were so receptive to the idea of the black man and woman being the first and the first people and the first the first nations and the first people of knowledge and and they were like man they they were really just into it and then at another point I was in a village and I was talking to man, I was talking to a young militia like some young militia members man I just and I, we back there drinking whiskey that's the initiation they they first they wanted to arm wrestle me and I'm like come on now my arms is like chicken noodles like no we're not doing this so I said they said well let's drink I said okay I could do this <laughs> Now, I'm not a drinker. Now, I'm a smoker. And I'm, I'm not even a social smoker. I smoke by myself, and I only drink socially. I don't drink by myself because that leads to depression, you know. But with these dudes, they passing around American whiskey because this they think they in India. This is a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it was a wild night. But they was like, yo, this guy don't even need a chaser. He didn't even have to mix it with nothing. There was a big deal for them. Yeah, so now they're asking me questions. They want to know what I got to say. They want to hear my story. They're they listening to me. Man, by the time I was done, they all following me on Facebook, you know? Aww. And they they looking at stuff, and they asking more and more questions. And they asking questions about the black man. And we talking about the gods, and we talking about Shiva, and we talking about a lot of heavy shit, and we talking about history. And I'm trying to speak Bengali. I'm going back to speaking Bengali after I stopped at age five. You know, I ain't spoken Bengali to nobody fluently in forever, you know, outside of my mother. And I'm trying to explain the knowledge itself to them. And I, I don't know how, like, I knew they got it because we was having a good talk, but it was a whole bunch of them, like, just, like, a whole bunch of dudes. Like, and at the end, they all, like, just so excited, like, yo, please come back. They wanted my beads. They wanted, like, they just was like, yo, please, anything. And one of them was like, yo, please send this message back home. And he was like, black man and black woman, I salute you. And he bowed. He prostrated. You know what I mean? Like, he, he like, bowed to the black man and black woman of America. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't ask him. I didn't tell him none of, nothing like that. I ain't suggest nothing like that. Like, I never said nothing like that for him to even think of doing nothing like that. For him to do that was, like, it was a moment. Like, I'm like, that's real. Like, I, this is the first time I've ever had a chance to say anything about it. But yeah, that was a real moment to know that the people over there was just, they wanted to know about the black man and woman over here. And that I was the one that brought the message to them, you know? And that was like, that was real heavy. And it just kind of gave me that inspiration, like, yeah, I just want to do that everywhere I go. You know, because it's really everybody's supposed to know, like, every world, every people in the world is, has, a, has a prophecy of the black man and woman of the West and the time when they will rise. Like, really, the rest of the world's waiting on y'all. Yeah, as fucked up as we is. We all fucked up. We waiting on y'all, low-key. <laughs> so, like, what is, is there anything else that you want people to know about your mission or who you are? Man, my name is Supreme Understanding. And one of the greatest things that I learned on this journey is that the supreme understanding isn't a, a person that you emulate. So it's not it's not me that I want you to to study or become like. Uh, it's to have your own understanding that is supreme, and and to become the supreme version of yourself. Because ultimately, the best thing that I could do in teaching you anything is teach you to become the best version of you. 
So ultimately, the supreme understanding that we arrive at once we all see this within ourselves and each other and we see that oneness is love. So, you know, the lasting legacy I want to leave everybody with is, is love. Like before they, you know, they, they might remember my face for a few years. They might, might, might remember my personality for a few years, you know. But ultimately, decades from now, centuries from now, what I want my descendants to be able to live in the midst of is an atmosphere of love that was created by people being able to really carry on these ideas and make them real. Yeah. That was going to be my... Let me mark this down, because I already know I'm about to tell him. I'm about to deviate. Low key. Okay, so I was gonna make that the last question. But do you feel and I just I have I feel like I have to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you feel that all races, because people, I mean, you know, in the spiritual community, it's oh, it's not about race and transcend race and all this other shit. Yeah. But that's a human reality we deal with here on earth. But my thing is you feel like we all could really Come together, because I mean, now I know as much as in, the, in in our community, in the black community, they talk shit about white people and all this other shit, right? But I do know some really cool white folks. I do, and I couldn't say fuck white people because of that, because I know there's some good ones. So that's why, and I'm saying like, because I know like sometimes it's all about you know get your own. I I respect that. And I understand that completely, because even with our issues, we got to work together and get shit done and clean up our own house. Besides worrying about somebody else's house or trying to get into somebody else's house. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that and the whole playing the game and shit like that. But do you feel like it is possible for there to be allies that can ultimately help us unify? Not necessarily as a black people, but just in general. In terms of black, brown, Asian, like just across the board. Do you think it's possible? You know, that's the way we sound. You know how you said, like, do you think it's possible like six times? That's the way we sound when we just hope that white folks could possibly get their shit together and be human for just a minute. Because we really are not a bad people. And we really, as original people, are so humane. And our conscience is so strong that, like I said, black people love everybody and take in everybody. And that is one of the greatest weaknesses is not being able to recognize when something is designed to be against you. And if you can recognize it in its nature, it functions in a form that is designed to be against you and you still want it to be a part of you, then you have to do one of two things. You have to know that you'll be able to absorb this thing in a way that will neutralize its ability to destroy you. Or you have to encase it and enclose it and completely keep it from being able to affect you. If you know that it's by its very nature, it's kind of set up to be against you. The way that we can look at it really in simple terms is if a people know that genetically they're not really going to be around if they mix up with us and have an equal footing in the world and we're all equal and we all get mixed up and there's not going to be no more white folks. A lot of people in the world are okay with that. You're not wondering, is your particular complexion going to be on the planet forever? But for many people that belong to whiteness, their whole idea of whiteness, if you think about it, when they claim white, they're claiming a gang. The gang is that which is rooted in whiteness being the national identity. And that national identity prevails over all other identities, meaning that they, you might think they're with you, but at the ultimate, they have to still be with whiteness. 
And that means that you can't really go against your family because your family represents these same values and there's a community, a co this corporate culture. Everything is reinforcing this one value system. So when I trust a white person is when no other white people do. That's when I begin trusting white folks. When you're the kind of white folks that other white folks hate and are fearful of. Ah, I really like you. But if you're the kind of white folks that hang out with white folks, I don't trust you. If you're the kind of white folks that hang out with black folks, I still don't trust you because you might have got kicked out from the white folks. And a lot of times that's what happened. They ran away from home or something else happened or they don't want to be a Mormon anymore. And now they're hanging out with Kiki and Don Don. And they got locks doesn't mean that they identify with what's needed 50 years down the line, you know? It just means that they're kicking it for the time being. You know, sometimes you got a friend for a season, you know? But that's different. We're not talking about socializing. We can have parties together. They throw some awesome parties, you know? And they love coming to our parties. They call it slumming. They call it slumming. There's a word for it. When they come to our hood parties, they call it slumming. They even dress down for it. Oh, yeah, they even use their bad car to come. Yeah, you would think they're from the hood, too. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, anyway. So sometimes we get mistaken and we think that what looks like camaraderie and brotherhood is really camaraderie and brotherhood, and it's really not. Because family is really family. Family means I eat at your table. And most black people that have a white friend have never eaten at that dinner table. You know, they've never been invited to... Uh, something real. They've never been invited to a family discussion. They've never been invited to a family intervention when they're dealing with a family with a damn heroin problem, you know? They don't get called to those kinds of things. They're not really in the mix like that. And as soon as they do something unbecoming of a person, it will be identified as black behavior, and it will be ostracized heavily. And anybody that's been black with a bunch of white friends knows exactly what I'm talking about. So when we look at allies, I trust those allies that can prove their ally with actual materials. Like, what did you do? What have you done? What are you doing? What, is the, what, what, are, what are you measuring this by? And then the thing is, as long as you have some form of measurement, you can measure it however you like, because that's your measurement. That's what you did. Okay, you, you did that. You can speak on what you did. You rescued 12 kittens in a black neighborhood. Good for you, buddy. You feel like you've contributed to the struggle. Good for you. You know what I mean? You planted six petunias. You know what I mean? Good for you, Heather. You know, somebody else gave $6 to the NAACP. You know, it's another one. And somebody else gave $500 to a, a Pan-African organization. Like, it, it's everybody gets to do whatever they did. But when it, you tell me who I'm supposed to trust as my peer, oh, I got to know. Hey, listen, so you know white man is a devil, right? You know that, right? Oh, what are you? Oh, I'm not one of the devils. Okay, how? Prove it. Like, what, what is, like, what, how do the other devils feel about you? Do they think you're one of them? That's because really, if they think you're one of them, then you're probably one of them. You probably have not proven yourself otherwise to them. And I think they got an idea of what is what. If, if the other white folks think you're white like them, then hey, you're white like them. I'm not the good judge of this because I don't really know how white folks act all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can donate, though. Put up some money. I like what, uh... Um, Chairman uh, O'Malley has done in, um, in Florida because he lets white folks donate 
you know what I mean, and contribute to the things that they're trying to build for black folks, which if you have resources, hell yeah, add on like that. Nothing wrong with that. No, but the, the problem is when just because you got locks, you 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 at every meeting and you you want to have all the information and you you acting like you you really with it, and then you get to go be the figurehead and the poster child, and you get to go do media. That's what starts happening. That's what starts happening. These the, eventually, eventually, a person becomes Jane Elliott or Tim Wise, and there's nothing wrong with being a Jane Elliott or Tim Wise. It's just that sometimes these people be acting like they with the struggle just so they can become that. They really got a game plan. They couldn't do law school. You know what I mean? It's some, like, yo, everybody got their reasons. And so my, my greatest measurement is like, yo, really? What is the work you're doing? If you serving 30 underprivileged kids in the hood after school, good for you. But I'm still going to wonder if you're a sex offender. It's going to wonder. I'm going to wonder why you're in the hood. I'm going to wonder why you're doing that. I'm going to have questions. I'm going to send somebody to look after you. I'm going to, I'm going to, have, I'm going to ask one of the kids. That's what I'm going to do. Because it's not, and I'm not going to be like, yo, get this white. No, because I don't know. But I'm going I'm to I'm wonder, and I'm going to find out. I ain't going to sit and gossip about it. I'm going to find out. See, because solutionary, that's my mindset. Everybody else will do everything else. They'll complain about it. They'll talk about it. They'll ask about it. Or they'll be his friend. Or they'll, they'll do everything you want. You know what I mean? There's people that'll do that too. They be the welcome wagon. Anytime white folks move into the hood, there's always somebody that's going to be the welcome wagon. You know? Next thing you know, they're jogging around in their booty shorts. Same neighborhood, they're going to call the cops on you for jogging in. Oh, wait. Yeah, we off topic. <laughs> that was really, I mean, honestly, that was a question that really is... Man, look. It was only off the record because only because it has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with what you do. No, listen, white people come to me now. White people want to hear what I gotta say now. White nationalists and white supremacists is like, yo, man, I I need some wisdom on this. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, cause they all in darkness. And some of their plans is failing. They're not seeing their mission going as they hoped. They're not seeing this dream that they've been sold actually working out. They've been lied to. They were sold this myth of whiteness. See, whiteness, the, 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 let's deconstruct it. It's a myth. A lot of people had to buy into whiteness. Irish, Italians, all of them had to pay their dues to become accepted as whites. Greeks, all of them, they wasn't white in the beginning. <laughs> whiteness was, a, you know what I mean? You had to, you had to pay your dues. And whiteness was created based on when all the Europeans, once they finally really got done fighting each other, they were like, all right, let's come up with a common identity again. They go through this every time. They, they fight. Like right now, they're doing it right now. Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, and liberals, the ones that want racism and racism light, you know what I mean? The ones that want Trump, the ones that want Hillary, the ones that want Bernie, like it's just all different aspects of the same nationalism. Soft, light, hard. You know, like, so we be confused because we're not familiar with none of this. We don't think like this. We don't think about nationalities. We don't, we, 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 a lot of us ungrounded. A lot of us, that's why I write these books to like give you a sense of what you're in, what's going on, perspective. So now you can at least move smarter. And now it's your choice, man. You want to deal with white folks? I do, I deal with white folks. But they, they know what I teach. Oh, Supreme, I heard you teach that the white man is a devil. I don't teach that. I don't got to teach that. That's already a fact. 
What I teach is that even a devil can do right. So I teach you how to do right. The first thing you got to do is let go of that ego, buddy. The fragile-ass ego that make you mad because I'm calling you a devil. This your people. This your gang. Blame the gang. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at all the other white folks that earn this badass rep. How dare you be mad at me? I'm a victim. That's like you part of Team Rapist. And you mad I'm calling you part of Team Rapist. Yeah, tell your team to stop raping. Fuck out of here. You join the team. <laughs> Don't you want to be off the team now? That says a lifelong team. You, you want to be off the team, you got to get jumped out. They all got to jump you. All the other rapists got to decide you're not one. But I ain't seen it yet. Be mad because I'm calling somebody a name that we came up with. We came up with the word devil 6,000 years ago to describe how they was acting. We said, we do not have a word for this shit. We said, let's make one. What's the word of going against God? What's the word of anti-God? Let's make a word for that. Devil. Sounds about right. And it stuck. The motherfuckers popped up in Africa. They're like, what's that? That, 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 Devil! Everybody knew. The ones that didn't knew, they were slow. And they got, you know what I mean? They got caught up. And that's been the way history ever been. It's always been some people that knew and some people that just couldn't tell. And they was like, those are some nice looking nets. You know what I mean? I wonder if they're coming to trade with those nets. There was always somebody like that. I would like a nice net like that. Oh, they're going to let me get in. This net is very secure. There's always somebody like that. So right now, people doing that right now with Bitcoin. Oh, digital money. Feels very secure. I like this. The net. A very secure net. So what's your, what's your view on... You hear me. The motherfucker's better off spending $30 on books than they is on $30 on Bitcoin. If you got $1,000 disposable, then you already bought in six months ago, motherfucker. You're not a wise investor. You're not a wise investor. If you're buying it now, you know what you're not? You're not a savvy investor. You're not. Accept it. You're not. This is like if you get into stripping at 45. You're not. You're, you're, you're not built for stripping. You're not built for stripping at 45. You've been through menopause. Your hips have gone through a change. We respect you for a mama or grandmama, whatever you is. You know what I mean? But stripping is it's not a good idea. You could do it five more years. And in Thailand, you can do it until 60. They, they, they have a good market for 50 to 70-year-old strippers. You know what I mean? In Thailand. Um, but you got to be able to uh, make, uh, smoke a cigarette with your coochie. Um, so you got to develop a new skill set is all I'm saying. But oh, please work this down. I'm sorry because what I'm what I'm saying is what I'm saying is if you don't know about some shit and you get into some shit, you probably gonna go through some shit. Like duh, you know what I mean? Like you feel me? Like I feel like selling dope after thirty. You're dumb. You know what I mean? Why are you trying to sell dope after thirty? You don't. Have, you should have been selling dope at seventeen. You know, that's when it makes sense. Not saying that you should, but if you're going to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to be a rapper, 20s, good. Not saying it's too late. Colonel Sanders got his winning formula in his 60s. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying there's some, you could be the best shake dancer in Magic City at 49. You could do it. You could make a killing in Bitcoin without having ever learned nothing about investing. It happens. People get interested in investing. They learn everything in one day. It can happen. 
But chances are your ass don't know shit about the market. Your ass just learned about Bitcoin. We knew about Bitcoin a long time ago. And we chose not to invest. We chose. Now we're looking back like, oh, dang. That would have been a good investment. Too bad it's a fucked up investment now. It could go up. Could crash. Anything could happen. But back then, it would have been real wise. I'd have been rich right now. Right now, do I got 10000 to see if I can put into something like Ethereum and really make some money? Nah, I only got like 150 available. What am I going to do with 150 The fees is going to kill. I'm going to lose money. This is dumb. That's what a smart person would come up with if they're aware of investing. But a person that don't know shit about investing is going to hear it like it's a jug. You mean that what? So what? You get to... So it's not money, but it's money. And it was worth six cents, but now it's worth 16000 Okay, okay, okay. So, how, I can still get it for six cents? Oh, no. How much of it can I get for six cents? All right, look, I got $8. How much of it can I get for $8? None. Okay, okay. So, look. I got a gift card. To Target. Do they sell them at Target? Because I'm trying to get rich. And it's my year. 2018, I feel like it's my year to get rich. And it sounds like the way. This the way motherfuckers is. I'm sorry. Pass motherfucker a bottle of syrup and he could talk it like he got an idea. And oh man. I was curious to know that because you're like the third person. I've had two financial advisors on my show previously, and I've seen one talk about, you know, why it's not necessarily the smartest idea. And then the other one, he was on the show, and he was talking about, you know, you should probably worry about getting out of debt versus trying to invest in the next big thing. And here you are, and you're low-key not with the shit either. Any smart motherfucker not with no trend. And then he trend is the shit that every dumb motherfucker talking about. Whatever everybody talking about is the trend. What was it before Bitcoin? It was fucking fidget spinners. We went from fucking fidget spinners to Bitcoin to fucking slime. I'm, this is all I'm aware of. Maybe because I got little girls. But all I've heard about is fucking fidget spinners. Then it was Bitcoin. And then motherfuckers stopped talking about Bitcoin because Bitcoin started crashing a little bit. So they started talking about making slime. I don't know what the connection is. All I know is whatever the fuck is on the internet is what motherfuckers is talking about. So if they make some weird shit out of Korea that you start seeing a million views on the fucking the Korean videos with all the, 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 the kanji type letters and you can't read that shit and Google got to translate it for you, that's the next big thing, whatever the fuck that is. So if it's fucking, who knows? Diamond butt plugs. We gonna be talking about it. I can see that being something trendy in the in this in this lifetime. I do see that being a thing, and I see that being talked about actually. Yeah. Diamond butt plugs for sure. They got them on Amazon. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be. I'm sure. Sponsored posts on blogs and all of your favorite. It's gonna be in, in your sponsored results. It's going like now that you it's even gone on your podcast. That's actually gonna show up in everybody's search results now. We heard you're looking for diamond butt plugs. <laughs> Heard you're looking for the latest in diamond butt plug technology. <laughs> Check out this rotating option from Dremel.
in our society, nothing is really off limits. They got dolls, you know what I'm saying? So, no, t- I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be far-fetched to see a diamond butt plug go viral. And Man, listen, dude's excited about these dolls, too. Dude's so excited to have them a sex partner they can control and do whatever the fuck they want with and don't get to complain. Oh, my goodness, it's a motherfucking fantasy. It's a fantasy, and they only cost like two bands. That's less than a girlfriend. That's less than a girlfriend. A girlfriend costs more than that in six months. And energy. Oh, and energy. Oh, yeah, she just lay there. Some girlfriends just lay there too, but you got to feed them. Or listen to them. Yeah. This one, she don't, she, don't, she don't get to do none of that. She ain't going to help you in no kind of way. She ain't going to be no assistance to you. But see, there's people that's already so comfortable with just wanting somebody to give them attention that they'll take an inanimate object's attention. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. That's what we're going to talk about this, that, at this uh, dinner. When we, when we bring couples and singles together, we're going to talk about real love because people on that bullshit. We're going to dispel all that bullshit. That's my job. My job going to be to dispel the bullshit. Now, if y'all want, motherfuckers love asking me, well, Supreme, what you think about this person and that teacher and this leader? I'll be like, look, man, I teach on real shit and bullshit all day long. If y'all ain't smart enough to figure out what's real and bullshit for yourself, you just want entertainment. You want me to do some WWF shit where I get to beefing and ether in a motherfucker like we having a rap battle. I don't do that. I, unless I know the motherfucker personally. If I know the motherfucker personally, we got beef personally, I promise you it's not going to be handled on social media. This so, so I know what motherfuckers doing it for. They doing it for them goddamn Don King dollars. They trying to get them pay per view numbers up, and I'm okay with that because you know some people like entertainment, so feed it to them. But for the people that want real knowledge of self and trying to go somewhere, I'm here for them. <laughs> I'm here for you. Where can people find you or get a book or find out like what you got going on in terms of the tour? SupremeUnderstanding.com. Uh, you just you can Google Supreme Understanding and find a bunch of stuff. Find me on Amazon, find me on YouTube. But SupremeUnderstanding.com is where you need to go so you can find that about these events. You can find that about the new books that's coming out. You can find that about uh, the latest videos we've put out. And it should have my social media updates on there as well as a few posts from some of the new books that's coming out. It'll have excerpts up. So if you don't do anything else, just go to the website and sign up so that you can get every update that comes out. Man. All right, y'all. Y'all heard it from the, from the man himself, Dr. Supreme Understanding. And that was this week's episode with Dr. Supreme Understanding. To keep abreast of all things he has going on, whether retreats, events, speaking engagements, books, book releases, or just how to get more information on what he has going on in general, you can do so at SupremeUnderstanding.com. To get in touch with me, you can do so at SpiritualHomeGirl.com. You can find him at Supreme Understanding on Instagram. And on Facebook, you can also find me at Spiritual Homegirl on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, as well as Spirit Homegirl on Twitter. I'm so excited, y'all. And I know you're probably like, damn, every episode she's talking about how exciting she is. But what it is is that I really am excited. I mean, last episode, I was talking with Ivana Christman from Blossoming Brown Girls about, you know, her event that was coming up. And it was awesome. It was really fulfilling and it made my heart so full to be able to, it's one thing to like talk about affirmations, but it's another to actually teach what affirmations are and empower little girls to be more confident and really believe um, these positive words and, you know, affirm it to themselves as well as their fellow sisters, their fellow little sisters that were at the event. And that made me so happy to hear a small voice say, I am beautiful. And you're like, no, say it louder. Like, believe that. Are you beautiful? Yes. Okay, then say that. Stand in that. You know what I mean? Be confident in that. 
And to hear a small voice say, I am beautiful, to I am beautiful, and to tell her, her sisters, you are beautiful, oh, it took everything in me not to cry that event, y'all. I really wanted to cry like every five to ten minutes. I was just having all kinds of moments. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So that was really that was really awesome. I was so happy to be a part of that. And um, the last time I was talking about how happy I was with Ivana's episode, it was because I had some other interviews like Dr. Supreme Understandings that were um, on the way, as well as the events that I mentioned earlier with Yoga 101 and the stress management event. Now we have some other opportunities in the works, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm, I'm like, I'm amazed and I'm grateful, and I'm glad to see that, you know, Things can really manifest when you put your head down and you don't worry about other people and you stay focused on your mission and you move within that. I believe there's so many different lanes um, that's here in the world. I think there's millions and millions, maybe billions of lanes for everybody to, you know, drive on. And you don't have to jump in somebody else's lane or worry about what another car is doing in another lane to stay focused and get where you need to go. So um, for those who are probably worrying about comparing or you know, wondering about where you are in your journey and how come your lane might not be moving fast enough. That's your lane and your lane alone. You know what I mean? Like, no need to worry about other people or, you know, just as long as that lane feels right to you, keep coasting and all your opportunities will manifest themselves. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I can't quite speak what exactly it is yet because I don't want to spill the beans. I got I got some time to sit on it until it becomes public. But just trust me, like doing the work and putting your head down and staying focused and being grateful will will always work out for you. It will. I'm, I'm not going to debate with nobody that's going to say differently because I'm too much of a living example, and I've seen too many other examples before me that have been successful and that have been happy and fulfilled doing what I just said. So I'm just really excited, y'all. If y'all ever feel like y'all can't, y'all can't, you know, manifest what you want. I mean, matter of fact, what's today? Oh, today is New Moon in Aquarius. Hello. Today is the perfect day to write some stuff down and really be clear about what you want. Seriously, cleanse your house, cleanse your space. I'll tell you what I do. Every new moon, I cleanse my house, I sit down, I really sit still. Normally, I'll sit still the night before so I can clear my thoughts or that day, that morning, and just kind of get some clarity. Because, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes to decompress and, um, and kind of get some clarity when you're trying to get your mind clear from the rest of the day. So normally, I try to take it easy the night before, starting then. And I kind of sit still, I start jotting things down, jotting more things down throughout the day. Whatever it comes to me, I just write it down. I get everything, whether it's sticky notes, cue cards, scrap pieces of paper. I look at them all and I sit still and I'm like, okay, does it still feel right? Bet. So I meditate some more and I basically write down what I want to manifest and I develop a plan and I work the plan. Sometimes I might burn some shit too. And I say that ritual, is, you're probably like, damn, that's it? Yes. Sometimes a ritual is just as simple as you writing some shit down and doing it. Minus all the spookiness, minus all the mysticism. I understand that stuff is cool and it's great for showing. Sometimes I do it at home. Sometimes I do it at home, you know what I'm saying? But but that's really it. I mean, manifestation is that simple. Be very clear down to the letter what you want. Really believe that, stand in that. Make sure you want that for sure. Start taking steps. And um, continue to live life as if it's already happened. So, um, but we're going to an episode about manifestation really soon. I know you're probably like, that's all low key. I mean, yeah, that really is it. But, um, <laughs> but I definitely will do a manifestation episode coming up very, very soon. Um, what else we got going on? 
Oh, I'm super excited. I'm going back to California, y'all. I'll be back in California next week. If you're in the Los Angeles area, hit your girl up. Let's link up. Maybe do a meetup or something like that on a Sunday. Who knows? But just let me know what y'all want to do. It's kind of a jam-packed trip already. So um, I'm definitely open to cutting out a couple of hours, you know what I'm saying, on a Sunday to kick it with y'all, whether it's at the beach or a park or somewhere like that. Just let me know if you're in L.A. I guess I will see y'all in about a week, L.A. So with that being said, this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria, and remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.